Welcome back to I Love That Record, a podcast where my pal John Beckman and I, Eric Jorgensen, pick an album and we talk about it. This is part two of our podcast breaking, format destroying dual episode, Nickel Creek Spectacular. In episode one, John and I talked about Why Should the Fire Die, their 2005 masterpiece. And in this episode, part two, we talk about A Dotted Line, Nickel Creek's 2014 spectacular album but first john what are you drinking tonight i am drinking an angry orchard hard cider crisp apple changing it up after the kirkland light nectar of the gods last episode you know i've got one next to me so i might go back to that but i need a little sweetness in my life after that makes sense after discussing the the sourful (laughs) but gorgeous yeah <laughs> yeah i that's that's true i guess i could see that the kirkland light maybe was a good fit for the last record but a dotted line is a little bit of return to form maybe for nickel creek i would say after yeah. the darkness of why should the fire die but we don't want to get too deep into that yet because maybe it's worth setting a little bit of context and explaining like what the hell happened because nickel creek recorded an album in 2005 released it and then didn't do anything for a long time it disappeared yeah, which was really sad because they're great, number one. And number two, uh, they're really great. Number th- number three, I guess I get to see how, seeing how great they are. But <laughs> they went on hiatus. Chris Thiele started the Punch Brothers, which is a a bluegrassy band where he was kind of the, the lead virtuoso guy and a bunch of other dudes just kind of playing bluegrass-ish songs and uh, kind of explored even some classical territory a little bit, I would say with some of the punch brother stuff and Sean Watkins and Sarah Watkins, brother and sister were doing random stuff, solo records. Um, Sean Watkins actually did a record with the guy from Switchfoot under a fiction family is the name of the, um, the band, I guess you could call it. Have you heard of them before? Listen to their stuff. I've heard of them, but I, I haven't really dived into any of their, work so I, I i don't know if i'm guessing i would probably like it but yeah they have some good stuff yeah the guy is uh john foreman i believe is from switchfoot so that's kind of cool i would recommend people that like nickel creek check out fiction family so they're good they've done a few records two records to be precise i should say um so yeah they they did some random stuff had nickel creek on hiatus i think maybe they just wanted to try different things because they've basically been in nickel creek for 15 18 years or something like that so I yeah, guess I think it's important to note that they went on hiatus, I think, solely to do to try out new things and spread their their musical wings. Yes, as, as it were. I don't think there was any any known drama or anything. That, yeah, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think Helena nice. came back to hunt down Chris Thiele <laughs> and try to stab him on a tour yeah. bus or anything, because that would probably yeah. make me want to break up the band too. But no, as far as I know, that did not happen. They just decided to go on hiatus, which. Made me sad because I love Nickel Creek and it was sad not to have new records, especially after Why Should the Fire Die, which was so great. And I was thinking, man, I would really love another record from them. But then finally, in in 2014, they announced that they were, in fact, going to release a new record that they had gotten together and recorded on a very uh, short term basis, I guess. They didn't spend a lot of time doing it. And uh, they released this 10 song album, A Dotted Line. So do you have any thoughts on on this you know after almost 10 years of being away i'm sure people were thinking well what is nickel creek gonna do like what type of of record can they make at this point because it's been so long they've done all these different things uh, and they gave us this one what do you think 
Yeah, I think I, you know, when I when I first heard that they were making another one, I was very curious whether it would be a return to the traditional bluegrassy self-titled, the more pop this side or the more indie rock kind of exploratory why should the fire die. Sure. And I think I would say they landed sort of in between the self-titled and this side. I would, I think on this one. Yeah. It was sort of a return to their to their roots, but for sure a lot of poppy elements. Yeah, I I agree so with I, everything. I think how you I said can best there. describe it. Yeah. Um it's something and not to get too negative too fast, but it's it's hard after such a stellar album like Why Should the Fire Die? It's hard to live up to that. I don't think this album is nearly as cohesive as Why Should the Fire Die. To me, it feels more like a collection of individual songs, all of which are really great overall, and I can't knock that. But it's not the singular artistic statement that Why Should the Fire Die is. But that said, as I mentioned in that episode, it's one of my top 10 albums of all time. So that's a pretty big standard to live up to. So I don't really, I don't blame them too much for that. No, not at all, but I think that's really well said where it's it doesn't feel as cohesive. It's hey, we've got these ten songs, let's throw them on an album. Yeah. It's not a it's not a concept album or any you know, anything. Not that Why Should the Fire Die was, but it was much more so though, and I think that, not, that yeah. that album sounds to me more like it was written together. And I think from what I understand of this one, a dotted line, I think each of the band members came with songs that they had and that they worked on then together. So I I think it kind of sounds like that. I mean it makes it makes sense. The songs are all about different random things, it feels like, and and again, that's not a bad thing. Um, because it is a great album. We're talking about it. We picked it, um, because we love Nickel Creek and we love this album. So yeah, it's it. It was also produced by Eric Valentine, uh, so the same producer as uh, the previous Why Should the Fire Die, but it was released on None Such Records this time. We didn't mention uh, that was something interesting, maybe to talk about about Nickel Creek. The previous records were all released on Sugar Hill Records, which is a label in the bluegrass community. Like it's Allison Krauss, I think, is affiliated with them. I don't know if she's just an artist on the on the label, excuse me, um, or if she has an interest in them. But this one was released on None Such, which is a an indie like artist first um, record label. I, I believe from what I understand, I think it, they're distributed by Warner brothers. So they have national distribution, but, um, it's a, it's a very different market. And I think it it's a signifies kind of what nickel Creek did with that last record, which is saying basically like we are kind of leaving the bluegrass community that we grew up in and we're more of an indie rock band that has bluegrass instruments, maybe would be a way to put it. So, yeah. So do you want to dive right into songs or do you have any other thoughts about this? Uh, we, this is the tour that we saw them on together, correct? Right when they came for a dotted line, I think. Yeah. It is. And I want to say they either – did they start the tour in Minneapolis? Ooh, that's a good question. No, I don't think they did. I, I'm pretty sure they was, did not. I think it was pretty early in the tour if I remember correctly. Yeah, you might be right. But anyway, it was really – yeah, that was a wonderful – Wonderful treat, and uh, I will say the seats were very good, Eric. For our <laughs> listeners, Eric, uh, Eric was on the website in, in plenty early, so we secured what second row seats, I think? something like that. Yeah, we were. I was off able to, to click to the side. It was yeah, very quickly. Eric's got some fat, fast fingers. Not fat fingers, fast fingers. <laughs> so 
And it was a great way to see Nickel Creek. And especially after being gone for so yeah. long, I, it, yep. it felt awesome to see them back together and they sounded great. And they played some of these new songs and they, they were all great to hear live too, as well as the old ones too. So yeah. Um, do you want me to do my picks first since you did them last time or because I talked so much the last episode, maybe you should still do your <laughs> picks and you can talk more. It's up to you, buddy. Let's do that. Yeah, I can, I can introduce mine. Let's do it. What do you got? All right. So with the last one, I had picked the first three songs. If you remember, all I do the way back to the last episode. Um, I'm going to start the same way and say my first pick is Rest of My Life. Okay. The battle is over Here we all lie In a job Solar cups with the sun in our eyes, but it's one of those endings when no one claps because they're sure. Another very good intro song, and I think that's been, you know, we, like we say, I feel like we say it every episode. Yeah, we do. But, um, yeah, I think that's a really important part of a great album is, yes. is having that, that good opener. So I think that's why we, we keep seeing that that common thread. It would be really interesting if we picked an album where we hated the opening song. <laughs> I don't know that I have an album that I would choose that I, I hate the opening song, but I could try to find one. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm sure I could find one, but not nothing's coming Nothing's coming to mind right now. Yeah. Uh, rest of my life, what can be said? Uh, they paint a, a very interesting story or an interesting landscape where it's the it's the morning after <laughs> some sort of party and red solo cups are strewn about and yeah. the sunlight's coming in through the window. And um, I could pull up the lyrics, but I think it's something about like a battlefield and yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, I think it paints an interesting picture of, you know, Hey, we're here after seven years. Um, and there's, you know, I don't know, you, you can explain it better than I can. I think maybe you have the same thought, but here, let me, let me pull up the lyrics here. Yeah. I'm, ram- I'm rambling now. No, no, it's all good. Like you said, it. I can't tell, is this a, I'm going to stop drinking song or is it a metaphor that has really nothing to do with drinking and being hungover? Is it more about, I almost take it as being about the original hiatus of nickel Creek because there's a line in here. Like you said, they've got the line about the solo cups. So the battle is over here. We all lie in a dry sea of solo cups with the sun in our eyes, which sounds like next day we're hungover. There was a party here. We drank a lot, but then it says, but it's one of those endings where no one claps because they're sure that there's more. That sounds to me like it could be about, well, we're Nickel Creek and we're done for now. And they did a tour called the So Long For Now Tour. And 
then the final line of that first verse is, what a great way to start the first day of the rest of my life. It almost sounds like it could be the beginning of the hiatus. Um, or maybe I'm just reading way too much into it. I'm not sure. No, that, uh, that, that's exactly what I was, was going to say. I think I, I, that's how I read it, is that they are talking about the hiatus. And um, most people, I think, figured that they would get back together at some point. So I'm, I wonder if that's the line where no one claps because they're sure that because what what is it where no one claps because they're sure that there's more. Yeah, I think everyone everyone assumed that they would get to be, get back together at some point. So, um, yeah, and kind of going off of that feeling, coming back into making another record and yeah, going on, on another tour. What a great way to start the first day of the rest of my life, their life. Yeah, it's really hard to tell, which is great. It's fun when a song is ambiguous like that. Yeah. And if it is a metaphor, it's a great metaphor because it's hard to figure out that it's a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the next the next line, I guess the show's going on. So we pick up the pieces we dropped for a song. So kind of taking all of their, their influences and experiences in the past seven years before this album and kind of taking bits and pieces or influences from the Punch Brothers and... Yeah. What was it? Family fiction, fiction family. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know, bringing up, bringing all those and making another record. Oh, definitely. And it's a great song too. Like it's got this kind of lulling feel to it. It's got a nice little intro guitar riff from Sean Watkins, which is kind of fun to play. And it it's kind of goes all over the place with, there's a key change in there and it's, it's just a fun song. And it was great to hear the start of this record with this song because like, ah, yeah. Okay. Nickel Creek is still, they still got it. Cause this is a great, great song. Yep. Yep. What else you got? My next song is number two. Surprise, surprise. Shocking. Can't believe it. Shocking. You don't owe me one more minute of your wasted time. You act like it's all fine. But all the years I heard this record i think would would probably put this this song towards towards the top of their list yes i think you're right it's definitely i think it was the first quote single if there was such a I thing believe so yeah it was the only single i guess from this album according to wikipedia ah okay which you can so always trust is, yeah so this one is sarah watkins driven would you say yes definitely she's she gives the lead vocal performance and we talked about her voice being a calming sweet light um she throws all that by the wayside for the song and comes with her not quite screaming but very commanding side of her voice yeah it's a very driving song um yeah really good on the album i would say this is one unfortunately that sounds better on the album than it does live so i don't know if it's I don't know if it's hard on her voice to sing the way she does in this song, but 
um, the the live performance that they did when we saw them and on YouTube, some different live performances. I've never heard one that I liked quite as much as the the album version, which is rare for Nico Creek. I feel like I like a lot of their live stuff. Agreed. Yeah, this one's kind of a struggle for her, unfortunately. But on record, it sounds really good. It's it's the poppiest song I think they've ever made. Like it's just the most. It's kind of like what we mentioned with the last record, where they sometimes take their bluegrass instruments and basically do a rock song. And this is one of those songs where you could have done this with electric guitars and drums and bass, and it could have just been some dudes in a garage rock man playing this song. I think yeah. just the song yeah, structure so. and just how it sounds, but it's cool. Cause it's, it's bluegrass instruments. So they've got like some percussive elements added by Christy Lewis's mandolin. He kind of chucka chuckas in the background, um, which is kind of cool. And yeah, so yeah the way he's able to do that with the mandolin is pretty awesome and pretty yeah, incredible. It is. It is awesome. It helps when you play a mandolin that's probably worth like $15,000 or something, but <laughs> yeah. All right. Number three. And I got to look at where number Crap, I thought I was going to break the trend. All right, number three <laughs> is number three on the album. Oh, man, John. So Great song, though. But the curveball with this song is that it is one of the instrumentals. Yes, it is. Which I don't typically, I think on every album that precedes this one, I wouldn't necessarily pick out the instrumentals. But this one, and maybe foreshadowing another one, I definitely pick out. And there's something... It's a very bouncy, light, strumming mandolin song. Yes. At least that it starts out this one. So really fun to listen to. Yeah, I don't know. There's not much more to be said there, I guess, because there's not any lyrics you can you can read or go off of. But well, I think I actually read really that this is song. the sequel to Helena. Um, it's what happens yep. afterwards after Helena has come back and murdered Chris Thiele. So it's very happy <laughs> about... Okay, not really. That's not true. It's Elsie, okay. Elsie. Sorry, that I waited Helena. Yeah. I, I was going to go with it. You could convince me. One thing as I'm listening to this in my headphones right now, um, and we'll play clips, of course, is is a great example of how Nickel Creek is able to build in, these instrumental strong songs with layers. And I have to say, I'm not too into the bluegrass scene. So somebody who is might say, well, you dummy, like this is how all bluegrass works. I don't know about that. All I can tell you is that Nickel Creek will usually start with a riff or an idea, maybe on the mandolin, maybe on the fiddle, and then gradually the other instruments come in and just play in and interact with that melody, and they end up taking it and turning it into more of an idea and explore it, and then it turns into a full-fledged song, and then usually the instrumental kind of floats back to earth again softly with some of those same instrumental ideas that started early in the song, which I think is just really cool. Um and this one kind of builds an intensity and pace, and it's really fun to see live. I'm almost positive they did this one live, but uh, it's it's a beautiful instrumental. I'm glad you chose it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did this one live.
All right. My fourth pick is, um, let's see, how many instrumental songs are on this album? Two. Two or three? I believe it's two. Just the two? Yep. Okay, so my, my pick is the other instrumental. Mm, yeah. And interesting note on this one is that, um, so Elsie is two and a half minutes long. Yep. I think if you were to go back to the other instrumentals on their other albums, they're all about a minute and a half or two minutes long, so so pretty quick. Um, this kind of breaks that trend and is uh, five minutes and ten seconds long. I'm going to have to call you out on that a little bit. Well, Uh-oh. so... How dare you? I know, I know. Well, this is my portion. I will do a butterfly, which is uh, <laughs> off of self-titled, oh, okay. 409. Um, All right. Smoothie Song, which is their most famous song, probably. I don't know how that one took off. It's an instrumental. Um, off of this side is 321. And okay. yeah, so I, I I would say... So I guess it's really just Why Should the Fire Die then? Because it's... Yeah. Um, uh, minute 44. Yeah, Stumptown is a little bit shorter. Though um, Scotch and Chocolate is 308. So I think... Mostly okay, so they're about three. They're they're pretty much regular song length, generally speaking, if not a little also bit longer. Also, self-titled, self-titled 220, um, 3 and 346. Okay. I apologize to our listeners. I completely lied. Sorry, John. I, I mansplained you right I now. I went all... <laughs> yeah. Well, actually. Crawl into a hole. Yeah. Well, actually. Okay. Anyway. So 510, but still their longest. So Wait, I'm, what I'm right song there. are we talking about, John? Elephant in the corn. Didn't, didn't I say it? No, he didn't. Oh no! Well, actually, John, <laughs> I'm such a mansplainer right now. This is terrible. Uh, okay, elephant in the corn. Yes. And they have a way. I really like this song because you know they do that 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 building off the initial idea, whatever. But you know, just picturing an elephant in the corn. Yeah. And they have a way with their instruments to paint you a picture in your mind of just it's hard to explain without you know we'll have to play some clips from it but um a lot of tempo changes um kind of style changes but you get this i don't know how to how to describe it but you can sort of picture this this whole scene of an elephant the corn running around and blah 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 blah. yeah oh definitely great uh great song and I think one of the few instrumentals that I that I would seek out and put on without actually just you know hearing it with uh, with an album listen, which is a pretty good endorsement I would say. The John yeah. Beckman I will listen to this instrumental on its own rather than just as part of the album flow. <laughs> and they describe it live <laughs> before they played it because I think they they played it on the last tour we saw them on, um, and they talked about needing a name for the song and they're like, well, it's just kind of what it sounds like, and it it does like it. It's what you'd imagine, I guess, is elephants tromping through fields of corn, I guess. Yeah. And I think, well, yeah, once you listen to the whole thing through, I think you, you, you'll get that picture, but it's hard, yeah. to, it's hard to explain without, without hearing it. But yeah. Anything else there? No, I think that's it. Just great virtuoso instrumentation from our pals in Nickel Creek, like usual.
finals. Knocking it out of the park. Knocking it out of the park. Knocking it out. All right. My fifth and last song for A Dotted Line is a harken back to Why Should the Fire Die, I think. I think this is one. This is the song that ties most closely with that album. And the song is Hayloft. It's called called You Don't Know What's Going On. Ah, Good. That that is actually a curveball. I would never have That's guessed the curveball. All right. Yeah. You curved. You curved that ball. I curved your ball. You sure did. Um. Yeah. This one. This one grabbed me. I think it. Like I said, it does sound a lot like that. It could fit really well on Why Should the Fire Die. Definitely. It's more of that rockier kind of indie rock. Um. Feel. Yes. Agreed. It's another one of those songs that could have been a rock song with traditional rock instruments very easily, I think, and have sounded sure. just as good. Yep. And I had to actually put it on because I wanted to say, does this one have drums too in it? Because it feels like it, but it doesn't. It's all like natural, quote, natural bluegrass instrument percussion, which is pretty sweet. I yeah, because you can hear right, right at the beginning, it's just him. Yeah. It's just Chris... With the percussion. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of another Kiss Off song, I think, a little bit, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, The first verse is pretty uh, biting. Well, it's time for me to live the good life on the road and to forgive her for the lies that she sold me. We were falling in love, and that's what you do. So, yeah. So the road led you to your door. The good life ain't the good life anymore. If it doesn't include you, if you send me away because you don't believe I tried my best. Yeah. Ooh, to believe in her, to believe I could turn it around, to keep bailing out the water while the ship went down, to keep calling her name when we started to drown. Yeah, I not a happy song. So not like a, you said, it definitely harkens back to why should the fire die? Yeah. I don't, I think that sums up my feelings on that song. One thing I would just, I would want to say and call out is an amazing vocal performance from Chris Thiele. Um, it's him. He's, he's a great singer overall. I think he's a very distinctive voice. It's not the most pretty at times, but he gets the job done. He conveys a lot of emotion. He's got good range. And this song just really pushes him. Um, it's very intense. And by the end, he's basically kind of shouting almost to try to get the feeling out of the song, which is fitting for the lyrical content. My name, where we started a drive. 
should've known better, never ask you why You didn't see it coming till you got inside you It could turn out alright, or it could turn out alright We just don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going on You don't know what's going on, you don't know what's going on Yeah, it fits really well with the lyrics Yeah, it's intense, very intense Nice very good podcast partner. You curved it. You curved that ball real I good. Curved that ball. <laughs> so let's hear. Let's hear yours. So five or less. Five. Five or five less. Or, five or fewer. I Do you have say. any honorable mentions? You know, uh, love of mine. I would okay. say would probably would have probably been my next my, my next pick. That's a nice yeah. song. That's a sweet song. Yeah. And is that one? That is a cover, I believe. Um, Sam. Sam Phillips. No, you're thinking of Where Is Love Now? Mansplain yes, Away. Yes, that's what I was. Oh my gosh, you're just. I know, I'm really bad tonight. I'm curving your ball and you're mansplaining. Yep, I am totally. Well, actually, John, that is not a cover. <laughs> it's about love. Yeah, it is. Uh, but is that the one you would pick for honorable mention or were you actually thinking of Where Is Love Now? Um, no, I would say Love Is, love is uh, yeah, Love of Mine. That's a nice song. They're both great songs. Where's Love Now would be my honorable mention, our honorable mention. Oh, okay, I see. The double honorable mention. Yep. So my first pick is Rest of My Life because it's a great song. And it wet my whistle again for Nickel Creek. I think it, no, Destination was what they released. I was going to say I thought maybe this was one of the ones they released early, but no, I don't think it was. I think um, this was one I heard when I first heard the full album. And I, I love the metaphor of the song as we talked about. I love the instrumentation. I love the vocal melody. Uh, it's, it's really fun live. Um, they've done multiple versions that I've seen. Like I think they did a tiny dust concert for NPR. That was really great. That included the song. Um, so yeah, definitely worth checking out. Number two, elephant in the corn. You said a lot of good stuff about it. Instrumental. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's just a bombastic, powerful instrumental. I think the instrumentals on this album are some of the best they've ever done overall of all their albums. Yeah, and do you think that's, that's just coming from, the hiatus. Do you think they were they had a fresh, a fresh outlook on Nickel Creek or a fresh feeling? I wonder if it's just being almost just, ten years better as musicians. Yeah, I suppose maybe. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, my pick number three is one you did not choose. Kyle, well, kind of because there's your honorable honorable mention, but it is "Where Is Love Now." Um, the phrase I used here. I think I've said this multiple times in our Nickel Creek exploration. Achingly beautiful. It's uh, originally by a woman named Sam Phillips and apparently was never released until 2010, but had appeared in bootleg form from live versions prior to that. And so the uh, Sarah Watkins was covering it and she kind of takes the lead on this one, I think, right? Uh, she's a lead singer, I think. Yes, she does. Yep. Yeah. And she puts her sweet voice that we talked about. I hate to, I don't mean to denigrate her voice by calling it sweet, but it's just, it's so, it's so earnest and, and it is sweet.
the the song is is gorgeous and includes a, a musical moment leading into uh, a bridge, a nice little instrumental return to the main melody. And it's 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 a song about love. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Like it's a great closer to the album. Um, and I'm really glad that they covered it and it was really great to see them do it live. Um, cause they did do it on that last tour. And, uh, the, the lyrics start, if I could wait here for you without hope or knowing what to do, watch the light fade away without fear or knowing what to say, cry the tears from my eyes, leave me here long enough to realize where is love now? Where is love now out here in the dark? It's just, I don't know if it's a, a song of mourning, if it's a song of being afraid of mourning, of losing somebody that you love. Um, but it's it, it's a perfect match for Sarah's voice and the instrumental pieces to the song are beautifully added and I'm really glad that they put it on the album. Yeah, me too. I think a really good closer to the album. I'm kind of fading out and yes, curious to see if we'll, if we'll hear any other new notes from Nickel Creek. Oh yeah, I hope I keep feeling like maybe Hopefully they might, someday. but yeah, let's cross our fingers. My next pick is the twenty-first of May, which is a Sean Watkins composition, I believe, and uh, it's just a fun, goofy song about a cult, basically, or about shouldn't say that exactly. It's I think there was this idea that the end of the the world was coming on May twenty-first. It was the uh, apocalypse or Judgment Day or whatever. Yeah, and yep. and the take of the song is just that. Well, you know, it it didn't happen, but I promise you this time it's really going to happen. <laughs> and, and, you know, there have been multiple times over the years, different cults, different people have said that the um, the world is going to end. And uh, this time, though, we really mean it on the 21st of May. And it's kind of goofy, and he's kind of playing with the idea and having fun with it. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, it's got laugh-out-loud moments in it, but it's also kind of a fun song with a good melody and everything. Um, and I, I could read some of the lyrics since we've been doing that with Nickel Creek. We usually don't, yeah. but I kind of like it. Um, they laughed while Noah built his boat. They cried <laughs> when came the rain. They mock me now, but I will float on the 21st of May. There and then go. the next line right after is, well, I've never been so sure and I've never led no one astray except in the fall of 94, <laughs> but hallelujah, the 21st of May. So it, it's just, it's an interesting concept for a song. I respect him for doing it um, because, you know, it's just not another love song, which we love those, but, you know, it's nice to do something a little bit different. Sinner, heed these words of mine About the coming judgment day Yes, the end is drawing nigh Hallelujah So, and then my last pick is Destination, uh, which we did talk about. It's a great pop rock song um, done interestingly because of the bluegrass instruments. So uh, I'm glad they did it. It's a catchy song. Like you said, doesn't really translate live as well, but I'm still glad it's on the record. And an honorable mention for me is Elsie, um, which is a beautiful instrumental, but I just ran out of songs. So I, yep. I put that as my 
um, my honorable mention. You did not give me a least favorite song, John. I didn't. I, I'm, I imagine you can guess what it is, though. Yes, it is. Um, let me look at the song list here. Christmas Eve. No. That was a joke. <laughs> the song you picked and the one I picked, too, which is I was I was hesitant to pick it. It is Hayloft. It's a cover. It's a, it's a fun song, yeah. and I'll listen to it, and I like listening to it, but for sure my least favorite, if yes. that makes sense. Like, I still like it and listen to it, but it's it's just too goofy. It's a weird song, and it's, it's a it's cover, a cover. Yeah, yeah. of a Canadian band named Mother Mothers. <laughs> Sorry, Mother Mother. That's the name of the band. Mother Mother. And you know they're weird because they're from Canada. And it's just a strange, strange song, uh, basically about um, hooking up in someone's hayloft and the fact that uh, the hooking the, up with the farmer's daughter, right? Yeah, the farmer's daughter, exactly. And farmer's going to come looking um, pretty soon, and you better run away. I mean, since we've been reading lyrics, we probably have to read something from this. But basically, the the hook of the song, as it were, is "My daddy's got a gun. My daddy's got a gun. My daddy's got a gun. You better run." <laughs> And it's just, I can see why they did it because it's fun. Um, and it's a fun thing to do with bluegrass instruments, but I would never, ever listen to this on its own. I don't think. Yeah. So I don't know. It started, it started with the hayloft to creak in. <laughs> yeah. It's just started in the hayloft with his long johns on pop went a creeping out to the barn, out to the hay. <laughs> yeah. Young lovers and they are not sleeping. <laughs> no, they're not. Young lovers in the hayloft. Yeah. With his gun turned on pop went a creeping. So, uh, kind of a funny video too. They made a, they made a video for this song. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. Um, yeah, I think it was, let me look it up. I think it was Nickel Creek's version that they did. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it's kind of a, um, animated. Oh, okay. Cool. So it's a, it's an interesting watch. I think it, it, it fits the song really well. Um, like I said, good song, fun song, just not, uh, yeah, not one that I would put above my other picks. No, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you. Definitely. So we've got our song picks and I was wondering if you had any closing thoughts on, on the album. I mean, it, it's, uh, I kind of feel like against most other bands albums, it holds up really well, um, but it's hard to compare it to Why Should the Fire Die? Because in case people can't tell, I really, really love that record. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I don't think of any other thoughts I have on this album. I don't, I don't think I do. I think you summed it up pretty well, and we summed it up pretty well. Um, it was great to have a new Nickel Creek sure. record, right? I mean, yeah, I think yeah, it definitely. Um, satisfied the the itch that that we had and a lot of nickel creek fans had um and gave them a chance to tour so it was great to see them live again and hear a lot of the great old songs and hear these live and i think the songs all hold up really well yeah and you had seen them live i believe but i yeah two times prior i think i think i've seen them three times it was cool to for uh myself to get an opportunity to go see them live um that really was a treat so uh hopefully we'll have some more music in the future but for sure, check this uh, check this album out. Check the band out. Um, let us know what you think if you do check them out, or what order you check them out. And yeah, I wonder if, that, that, if that'll kind of paint your um, your experience with with Nickel Creek. Or check out their other albums. Where 
you know, we talked about these two, but uh, I think as we've we've uh, talked about um, that we like the other albums as well. So yeah, they haven't uh, made a bad record. I will no, say that at least as adults. Like I don't really count the other ones. They did the. Um, Oh, I have to look this up again. Yeah, I'm sure they have ones out when they were. They do, and teenager. Chris Dealey even has some albums that he made as a solo artist. When as he a was kid. like six or seven or something, right? Yeah, really. Young. He's a this really chunky kid. <laughs> yeah, he was a chubby little kid. You should put a link on the, on the episode <laughs> yes in the page. show notes. I will definitely. He do was that. a chunky kid. Their first album was released in 1993, and it was called Little Cowpoke, <laughs> released on <laughs> Choo Choo Records. So, I mean, that's maybe worth talking about a little bit. Like, how incredible is it that a band can release their first album, Little Cowpoke, on Choo Records, and then make a masterpiece like Why Should the Fire Die um, in, I guess, like, basically 13 years or something. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's nuts just to, to be together. And I, I've got a – there's a YouTube video that I can post, too, of them as little kids – um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's really cool. And they still seem to be friends and, you know, it, hopefully they keep making records, but you should also check out things that Sarah Watkins has done, that Sean Watkins has done, the fiction family, punch brothers of Christy. Like they're very, very productive musicians mm-hmm. who have done a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and if you get a chance to see any of them doing anything live, I, I can't recommend it enough because they really are a fantastic live band as well as a great studio band, which is that, that in itself is kind of unusual, right? Like sometimes you have those bands that are really good at making records, but aren't very good live. But then you have bands that are just great live bands, but don't really always translate that energy as record. And I think Nickel Creek are masters of both, which is pretty cool. But I guess it's easier to be that when you have your instruments and great voices and you just record it, basically. But that's probably not giving enough credit to what Eric Valentine helped them do on these two albums because there is an art to to making that sound good in a studio and doing what you need to do. Uh, and they did that for sure on both. So, And like we said, it was, was such a small crew, too. Yeah, that's that's a good, that. uh, good reminder as well. Because um, yeah. I think the dotted line is very comparable to Why Should the Fire Die in the sense that you have Chris Thiele, Sarah Watkins, and Sean Watkins playing um, the main instruments. Then you have Mark Schatz on bass again. Edgar Meyer from Punch Brothers playing bowed bass a little bit. Matt Chamberlain on percussion. Eric Valentine on percussion, but he's also the producer. And then just a studio assistant and an engineer in addition to Eric Valentine. So not a lot of people involved. And I, I've i never really been in a real recording studio, but I think that that idea is just awesome. Basically, hey guys, go hang out it's like seven of you make this thing and then release it to the world it's pretty cool i just i love that and that's why we have this podcast right john that's why we have it and uh i should note this album peaked at number 32 on the hungarian albums chart (laughs) i like it it was number seven on the u.s billboard 200 but more important is that hungarian albums chart performance maybe next time they'll go to 29 yeah well, thank you for your time, John. Uh, and I guess I thank would you. ask. So I, I do go ahead and make one more note. Yeah. Okay. It's. Uh, I'm really curious as to the baseball tie with Chris Thiele. So one of his albums is Chris oh, Thiele yeah. leading off. Yes. So it's him as a chunky kid with his mandolin. Yes. And it's got a baseball tie on it on the front. 
Yeah. And then the next album that he released is called Stealing Second. <laughs> and nothing, no baseball in the front, but on the back is him in a uh, Cubs uniform sliding into second base. <laughs> I got to believe so it was some adult's sure idea, <laughs> probably, right? Like the adult was like, oh, this so. is a great idea. Yeah. But not sure exactly how that ties in. And apparently they did decide not to have anything happen in third base. Which is probably, yeah, it's probably good. Yeah, that got weird really, really fast. They decided they they had it all printed (laughs) up and they thought, ooh, yeah, let's not do that. Um, And maybe that's, I know we're trying to end this podcast, but point out all these albums that he did as a solo artist for the most part were released on Sugar Hill Records, which is a bluegrass label. And um, his album, Not All Who Wander Are Lost, is actually really awesome. It's really great. It's um, uh, all instrumentals, I believe. Yeah, it's all instrumentals, I think. Um, he's got Bella Fleck on one of them, who's just a, a well-known musician. Um, that's Riddles in the Dark, I think. There's a beautiful instrumental called Raining at Sunset on there. Um, it's it's a really, really nice, pleasing uh, album. So I would I would recommend people check that one out. Cool. Yeah. So would you recommend this record, A Dotted Line? I would. I love that record, and I would recommend it. Thanks, John. Appreciate your time. Thank you.